gather together, for those of you in the sanctuary, for those in the gym, and those at home. I'm thankful we get to worship the Lord together this morning. So several announcements in the life of the church that we want to make you aware of. First of all, there was a prayer gathering this afternoon at 4 p.m. in this room. This is a chance to have a small group to pray together. Parker, Parker Harris, who leads our young adult life group, along with Zach. Uh, Parker's going to be leading that prayer time for us this afternoon. We'd love for you to guys come have a chance to pray with one another. Now, for men, we have an opportunity we've been mentioning over the last few weeks, but coming up this upcoming Saturday, Mark, where are you in the room? Mark Wilkie. Hey, way back there in the back. Mark is leading a study. It'll be a monthly study. So it's not a one-time event, but this is the first of what will become a monthly gathering of men called Family Shepherds. It's, they're studying a book from Vodi Bauckham on how to best lead your family spiritually. It is a fantastic study. So men, I'd encourage you just one Saturday morning a month to come to Gateway to meet with Mark and some guys to be encouraged and find some community and encouragement and accountability in how we grow in shepherding our families. Now, there is a book that goes with it, and you would be more benefited by this study. You can come without it, but it would be more beneficial if you'd read ahead. And so those books are available in the Resource Center. You can also order them off Amazon, but we do have them in stock this morning. And so I want you to be aware of those and pick one up today if you'd like to do that study. Now, for the ladies, there's a Christmas fellowship coming up, and that is a week from Monday. Not this Monday, but a week from Monday on the 14th. And that'll be an ornament swap and game night. There'll be cookies and hot chocolate and tea and all the good stuff with that. And so I want you to be aware that Trish Butterfield is leading that. Details are on the blog. We'd love for you to come invite a friend. Now between those two events is an important event in the life of our church. That's next Sunday night, five o'clock. And I know it doesn't sound exciting on the church, but it's an annual member meeting. We don't subject you to monthly business meetings. We give you a once a year annual member meeting. Now at this meeting, we do a lot of things. One, you get to hear ministry updates from every ministry area to hear what's happening in the life of Gateway and to be encouraged in that. Two, we approved the 2021 budget. So all of our members should have received a copy of that. If you did not, they're available in the church office this morning to pick up a hard copy. If you have questions about it, we'd love to sit down with you and go over more detail in terms of any questions you have. But we'll go over that that evening on that in that meeting together. Just give you updates on what's happening at Gateway. Do it a little bit different this year. There'll be a coffee bar in the back, so you have plenty of coffee and desserts to help you through the meeting as well, and then there'll be a chance for us to pray together for the church family. Now, child care is available for this to help families attend. You just need to let Molly know if you want to use it, so there's a limited number of spots available for that, so if you just reach out to Molly um, on that. Now, two things related to people in the life of the church. One is a farewell, and one is a hello on this. So first of all, for Ethan, 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 stand up in the back, rather. Sarah, stand up with him. Many of you guys know Ethan. Ethan has been on staff with us for several years now. He is our part-time ministry assistant, and he handles IT for us. He has gotten us to the 21st century as a church. The reason we have member directories and all the stuff we do is because of what Ethan has done. Now, if you don't know it yet, Ethan and Sarah are getting married this next weekend, so they're a week away from their wedding, and so... But with that comes a sad transition for us because Ethan and Sarah are working towards in a year headed to Greece overseas with some missions work that she's already connected with. And so Ethan is focusing this next year on his marriage, getting ready to head overseas. And so he's not going to be continuing in his staff role with us. And so this is Ethan's last Sunday in a staff role here with us at Gateway. But Ethan, we're so thankful for you and thankful for your friendship and excited for you and Sarah and your way. Let's give Ethan a round of applause and thanks. Thanks, guys. Now we get to say a few hellos as well. We have some new members that you as a congregation have already approved, and so I want them to come up to the front here. So Janelle Ford, come on up. Jason, Anna Lee, and Ty Carmichael, you guys come on up to the front. We want you to turn around and face the front so people can see you. They're not a scary group. I look at them every week, I promise you. This is a, it's a friendly group. Come on down, Jason, Anna, also. 
We'll have another family to introduce to you next week who are not able to be here this morning. But these are people who have already been approved by you, the congregation, as members. And just to remind you how membership works at Gateway, uh, people come to a Discover Gateway class. They get to learn about who we are and what we believe and how we as a church operate. After that, they get to meet with someone on the leadership team, one of the elders, one-on-one, where we can hear your testimony and hear your story of God's grace. In the church body, you get an email. All the current members get to hear who they are and the recommendation from the elders to approve them as members. And so you get to speak into that process. So all of them have been approved as new members, and we're excited to welcome them. So Ty um, is, works here in the community. He is also super involved with missions. And so as we're looking towards a mission strategy, he has been all over the world, particularly Thailand, and has a huge heart for that. And so we're excited about what the Lord's going to do with him and his heart for missions here in the midst. Janelle is involved. She leads the Lighthouse Christian School just down the street and has a huge heart for kids and just ministry to kids. So we're excited about her and her heart and just all the experience she brings as she comes to Gateway. And Jason and Anna have been a fun couple for Julie and I to get to know. We got to do their pre-marriage counseling. So they're newlyweds. So we get the newlywed couple down here and are already connected with our young adult life group. And just so thankful for them that God as a young couple has brought them together and then brought them here to Gateway. So would you join me in welcoming some of our new members? Thanks, guys. And so Gateway family, I want you to get to know them. Find them after the service, invite them for a meal, take them to lunch, you can have coffee with them. They're, they're, they're fun people, and I'd love for you to get to know them and hear their story. And we'll have another family to introduce to you next Sunday as well. Well, I want to read some scripture for us as we prepare to sing to the Lord this morning. Worship, would you stand as I read God's word? We're entering an Advent season and focusing our hearts on the coming of Christ. We'll be singing about that some this morning. So I just want to remind us of the wonder of Emmanuel and God with us. Matthew chapter 1 this morning. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. shall call his name Emmanuel. Gateway family, let's worship the Lord and celebrate the fact that this is Emmanuel, that is God with us, and he has come to save us from our sins. joy to see this child. What a joy to see this child. So perfect and so pure. Born to bring us life. The Lamb of God, the Lamb of God. Let the earth rejoice, the King has come, our hope restored in Jesus, the greatest gift, so rich in love, let our praise resound, we welcome you, we welcome
bowing to the mighty one, the Prince of
God, we thank you for this day that we can gather here as a, a body of Christ, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the truth sung this morning, and I pray that each of us would see our places, how we all born sinners, Lord, and that we sin and we need a Savior. Lord, and we thank you for the truths sung in this song of the wondrous Savior that you are, and how your plan has unfolded, Lord, to bring you glory and to bring us back in a relationship with you. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for that. Lord, we uh, pray for our community, for our nation, for our world, Lord, as uh, we continue to see your mercy and protection during this COVID pandemic. We pray that you would remove this disease from the world, Lord, that you would eradicate it. We thank you that you are being glorified in the midst of all this sorrow and suffering. Lord, we pray for Lenny and Debbie Dixon as they continue to minister to those in our community during this holiday season through uh, Shepherd Staff. We thank you that you've given them a heart to help those in need around us, and we pray that you would give us opportunities to come alongside them and serve those who are hurting in our community. Uh, Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters who are meeting over at uh, Eastmont Baptist Church, uh, and we pray for their new pastor, Frank Bowling, as he begins his ministry there. Lord, we pray that the gospel would be proclaimed through their congregation and through the community that you have placed them in and the areas that you have them serving. Lord, we pray for Pastor Mark and his ministry in Haiti. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would give him direction and peace and that you would uh, empower him to boldly proclaim the gospel. Lord, there's so many people in this world that, that don't know the truth of the gospel. And we pray for one of these unreached peoples, the Jakun people of Malaysia, that are stuck in the darkness of practicing black magic and believing in spirits. Lord, we pray that the Christians in Malaysia could reach, reach them with the gospel we pray that the missionaries can deliver biblical resources in their language so they can see the truth of the gospel Lord we pray for uh, the offering that has been given today uh, in the boxes or online Lord we pray that uh, you would have us be good stewards of those funds to advance your kingdom here in Montgomery, this nation, and throughout the world. And Lord, we thank you for this opportunity today to hear from the elder nominees as they share their testimonies this morning. We pray that it would be 
an encouragement to all of us uh, to hear how the Lord has been working in their lives. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning again, Gateway. I want you to find 1 Peter chapter 5 in your copy of God's Word. We're going to look at this briefly just for a minute this morning. We saw this some time back, but I want us to revisit that this morning. We're going to pause our study of James this morning. We are going to do something very different, during, at least very different than what I've done during my four years here with you guys. I think it's very important in the life of the church, and even as Alex prayed, we pray it'll be very encouraging for you what you hear this morning. You know, we're in the midst of our elder election process where you, the church family, are selecting the elders, the shepherds, to lead Gateway in the years to come. As a congregational church, we believe that the God-given authority and the final decision-making is the church body itself, is you, the church members of Gateway. And so you've been tasked by God and by us to seek the Lord's will, to find the men that God is calling to be the leaders of Gateway. You know, there's two groups that lead a church. There's the elders and the deacons. In the season we're in now, we're focusing on the, uh, selecting the elders. And in next year, in 2021, the first part of it, we'll work on selecting deacons as well. But as we're in this process of selecting elders to help you with that, we paused our study of James just a few months back, and we looked at two different texts. We looked at 1 Timothy chapter 3, which were the qualifications for elders. Just to remind you what we saw in 1 Timothy 3, the elders had to be above reproach. That meant they had to be men who pursued faithfulness to God in their personal life as well as in their ministry. Then we looked at 1 Peter chapter 5, and we saw the responsibilities of elders or pastors to shepherd. If there's one word that summarizes the responsibility of the elders, it's to shepherd. That is to know the people. It is to teach the people the word of God. It is to lead people. It is to protect people. All that idea of spiritual leadership in the church. And we saw in those two weeks the seriousness of the task that we have been entrusted as a church. That we will give an account before God one day of how we handle this process of selecting the leaders and identifying the men that he has called to lead Gateway. Well, we ask you as a church family to ponder those texts, and you did, and we ask you to identify the men you believe met those qualifications and who were doing what we already saw laid out in, in 1 Peter 5, who were already shepherding. In church congregation, I said before, we were blown away with how many of you so prayerfully submitted names back to us. Of the men who came in, you nominated 13 men who met all the qualifications in our bylaws. And of them, I met with them. I provided them a lot of reading material. For those of you who know me well and understand that, they got journal articles to read. They got resources to read, things to help them think through the responsibilities of elders. And we asked them ultimately to pray and to seek the Lord. Of those 13 men, you identified six of them felt led by God to continue through the process and to continue through this uh, possibility of stepping into being elders here at Gateway. The next step in the process for these six brothers were ordination councils. We got it together a teams of men who were pastors, elders, deacons, or other ordained men in our church to interview each of these six candidates one-on-one. In these interviews, we asked them questions about their life and their family. We asked them questions about their beliefs, about Scripture and the gospel and who God is and their views of the church and just had rich, rich conversations with each of these six brothers. Friends, it was so encouraging because I got to hear their testimonies. I got to hear each of these brothers' experience of God's grace and hear their heart for the church. And I'm thrilled because you get to get a glimpse of that this morning as well. Now, before we get to that, though, each of these ordination councils met after the brothers were dismissed. And I want to encourage you in that every ordination council unanimously has recommended each of these six brothers to be elders here. So you as a church now have an opportunity this morning to hear their stories, to hear their experience of God's grace and why they want to serve. And then the final step in that process will be next Sunday morning. 
will have a ballot vote. You have a recommendation from these ordination councils saying, we believe these men that you've identified are in fact called by God to be the shepherds here. These men meet the qualifications. These men are gifted to shepherd, to teach, and to lead people, and to protect people, and to know the people of Gateway. And so you have a ballot when you come in next Sunday morning from members, and it'll just be a yes or no. Do you agree with, with each of these? You have all six names listed, and do you agree with the recommendation of the ordination councils to affirm these men as the elders of Gateway? But to help you as you continue to pray over that this week and get ready for the vote next Sunday morning, I want us to revisit 1 Peter chapter 5, and then we'll have these brothers come share. 1 Peter chapter 5, just look at verses 1 through 3 this morning. It says, So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Here's the key word. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Now, I'm not going to re-preach the sermon from some weeks ago on that, but I just want to remind you of this. As you think about the, the responsibility of elders, they have to know the people of the church, but also the people of the church need to know the elders. So this morning is a first step in that. We want you to get to hear the testimony of each of these six brothers that the ordination councils have recommended to you as being elders. And I want you to get to hear their story, get to know them a little bit better, and get to hear of God's grace. But as Alex prayed this morning, I, I, we want you to be encouraged today. Because we talk about the grace of God. That is something that's encouraging, friends. That's something to be celebrated. Even verse 3 here, the elders would be examples to the flock. And I pray this morning this is not just some formality we go through just to hear their story so we can have a vote next week. I want you to be encouraged from the example of these brothers. To be encouraged to how God's grace has gotten a hold of their hearts and their lives. And I want to be an encouragement to you to think about your story as well. Think about your experience of God's grace. And even as you hear them tell their story, I want you to be thinking, who are people I need to tell my story to over this holiday season? So we have six brothers who are going to share this morning. One of them had a prior commitment. He told us about at the beginning of this elder process and not a last minute thing. And so we'll have his own video in just a few minutes. But for the five in-person ones, we're going to have these brothers come up. And we're going to start with Greg Teal. So Greg, come on up here. Grab you the yellow mic right over there. And um, you just pass it between one another and look forward to getting to hear your story. So part of the purpose of this is obviously for you all to get, get to know us as well before you actually have to um, vote for us uh, next week. So I want to start off, again, Greg Teal. Uh, I've been here at Gateway for about uh, 17 years. Um, I've got five minutes is what I'm going to try to shoot for here. So I'm, that's why I have some notes up here because I want to make sure I don't forget anything. Uh, you can't know me unless you know my dear, sweet, precious wife, Cecilia. Uh, and for those of you who do know her, she's been the greatest model for me uh, of loving Christ, of worshiping him, uh, and just giving me a model of, of loving God from the heart. Thank you, sweetie. And so I encourage you to get to know her. We've been married for 36 years. We've raised four sons together, and that's a, that's a challenge. And so we have walked through that together, and that has shaped us uh, forever. Uh, my four sons are now all spread out. I came from a military background. My dad was in the military. We traveled around a lot. I was in the military. We continued to travel around a lot. And so sort of wanderers. But we ended up here in Montgomery in 2001. And we've, and we've been in the same place ever since. And we've been here 17 years. So uh, it's been a privilege. 
I've got one son in St. Louis, one in Atlanta, one in Washington, D.C., and one local here, and we have four grandchildren. That son's the one that's local. And we spend every Thursday with them, and that changes us forever, too. We also, in our time here, we have a lot of connection in the Christian community here in Montgomery, particularly uh, our boys grew up at Eastwood Christian School. A lot of people from Eastwood Presbyterian Church, Young Meadows. It's just a big community that we participated in and continue to, to just so you have that as, as our background. I was 18 years old when I was introduced to Christ, and all of us, in some sense, were introduced to Christ. Uh, a friend of mine uh, on our football team uh, went to a Campus Crusade for Christ Christmas conference, and when he came back, he was a different person, a very different person. And even though I had been in the church somewhat as a, as a youngster, I'd never seen a life that was changed as his life was, and it dramatically affected me. And so I began to go to this Bible study led by Campus Crusade for Christ staff members at Clemson University. And that summer of 1984, uh, I bowed the knee to Christ, confessed my sin, and, and saw my need for a Savior. And Christ came and took over my life, and, and it's never been the same. And after that, about a year later, I went to a Campus Crusade for Christ summer uh, project uh, where it was the most formative thing in my early Christian life where I learned about the uh, preeminence of God's Word in my life, having a quiet time. I learned how to do a Bible study on my own and how to dig into God's Word. And that's been a formative factor my entire Christian life. Um, one of the strategic verses in my life early on, and it's kind of been, if you have a life verse, was uh, Philippians 3, 13 and 14. It says, Brothers, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And it was this verse that taught me not to dwell on sins in my past, that they don't have to define me, but it also taught me not to rest on any laurels, that I was always to be moving forward, always to be striving. And really what I was striving for was to be more like my Savior, to be more Christ-like, because that was what the Christian life was really all about, was becoming more and more like Christ. And there's a lot of things that, that Christ has been doing in my life that, that's a testimony that he's alive and he's at work. Number one is he's been showing me what a proud person I am and what a selfish person I am. And I would think as I grew up in Christ, that would get less and less, but it seems to get more and more. Um, but I'm really grateful because it does show me that God's at work and he's showing me uh, the things in my life uh, that I need to, to, to work on. Um, and one of the things, Cecilia and I have walked through a lot of things in our life, and, and some of those things led us to, to actually pursue becoming biblical counselors uh, which we're still in the process of, but really have a passion for. Um, and, and biblical counseling, if you've never been introduced to that, it's really believing in the sufficiency of scriptures, that the scriptures actually are all we need for all of life's spiritual issues, uh, and that we can trust the sufficiency of scriptures and the sufficiency of Christ. And we have such a passion for that, for helping people in areas that, that are very difficult, everything from addictions to depression to, and you just go down the litany, marriage issues, parenting issues. Our heart really is just to, to be disciplers, uh, and really that's kind of what biblical counseling is. It's, it's, it's discipleship, 
And a, a passion that I would have and Cecilia has is that we would see a culture in the church where that we look at each other and we realize we're all in the same boat. We all need counseling, to be quite honest, and we all need each other. And so it would be kind of a culture that we would create um, in a church. Um, I will say becoming a, an elder, uh, for some of you, I think that this has been mentioned before, I was an elder for 10 years here, and then I stepped off for five years. But, but quite frankly, becoming an elder again is a daunting task. This is 2020, right? And we've had a lot. We've experienced a lot in this church in 2020, uh, in addition to, to the COVID pandemic and so on and so forth. So it is, it is a bit daunting, but it's also exciting. It's exciting to see what God is doing. And God is at work. He's shaping us. Um, I'd like to say this uh, just, just in closing that, like you, I have a lot of doubts. I have a lot of hopes. I have a lot of fears. I have dreams. Um, and there are things in my life that I grieve, um, things in my family that I grieve, and things that I just can't change. And that's just like all of us. And I actually find myself repenting and confessing more and more in my life. Uh, because I think as, as I grow older in my faith and I see God for who he really is, he shows me my own heart more and more. But actually, that gives me cause for great hope. It gives me cause for great hope because I know that God is at work. And he continues to call me back and pursue me. And one other thing I'd like to leave you with is, is one practice in my life, and I would encourage you in this too, is that every day I preach the gospel to myself. Every day I rehearse the gospel because I need the gospel more today than I needed it any yesterday of my life. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. Thanks. Thanks, Greg. Mark, come on up. So for those of you who are type A like me, they are going in alphabetical order by their first name. So in case you're curious, the order, this is not any type of spiritual ranking here. This is for type A people, alphabetical by first name. This is Mark Wilkie. I really thought it was because Greg was number one. So, so Greg, you're down a little bit. Uh, I'm Mark Wilkie. For those who don't know me, uh, my wife, Gabby's back there. Uh, we've been married for 34 years. We've been at Gateway for two and a half years. Uh, getting to Gateway uh, was a great and interesting experience. Not many people in Montgomery can say they've only been to one church. This is the only church we ever came to because we prayed very diligently when I went to ACSC in 2018. God, take us to a church where we can be a part of right away so that we can plug in because we're only going to be here for a year. Well, I didn't know God had other plans. And so we walked in the door here at Gateway, and I met... Um, the pastor, I didn't know it right away until he introduced himself, and then he took the time. You know, on a Sunday, a pastor's pretty busy, right? So, but he took the time to take me around and show me the church, and I thought, well, that's a good sign. And then I went to a, a Sunday school class, and I think, Dan, I think you were teaching that that day. I thought, wow, that's some good teaching. I like that. Heard the preaching. I said, whoa, good preaching. I had checked you out before. I, I want to, online, you can do a lot of finding out about people online. <laughs> And then while we're in the church service, um, the Gillises, and if you don't know the Gillises, I, I, I don't know who you are because they're everywhere. <laughs> they, are, they are Gateway Hospitality. Uh, hey, how you doing? And, and we immediately fell in love with them, and that night we went to their life group, and we were plugged into their life group. 
and we've never left. And it's, it's been awesome. We love this body, and we love being a part of this body. Um, we have uh, three daughters, not four sons. We have three daughters, different challenges like boys who want to be a part of your family. Dads with daughters, be that filter, be that guardian. Um, but by God's grace, they're all saved. My sons-in-law and saves. We have five grandchildren, uh, and they're all in Florida. And we have one grandchild on the way, an adopted grandchild, who we're hoping within the next year will be a part of our family. Uh, I work at uh, Maxwell Air Force Base. I'm retired Air Force. Uh, right now I'm civil service. I work in what's called the Force Support Squadron. None of you probably know, except some of you military, what that is. It's just a place where people can call and complain about the services on the base that they don't like. And so that, that's what I get to, to deal with um, every day. But it's, it's great. I get to solve problems every day at Maxwell Air Force Base. Uh, I'm originally, you hear that I have this sort of northern, it's sometimes a change northern accent. I'm a Yankee from Wisconsin. If you say Wisconsin, you get the nasal going. You've got to say it right. Wisconsin, not Wisconsin, Wisconsin. And that's where I'm from. I grew up as a part of the CNE Club. It's called Christmas and Easter Club. That's when we did church. But my parents did make sure I went to confirmation classes, and so I thought I knew what was going on. But really, Romans chapter 1 describes who I was. I thought I was wise, but I was really a fool, and I was given over to every depravity. I had myself as the idol. I was the God of my life, and I pursued everything I could uh, to please me and to serve me. Joined the Air Force, and I ended up in Charleston, South Carolina, where I met Gabby. I have no idea why she agreed to marry me because that's another one of those common graces that, that God bestowed on me. She agreed to marry me, and we got married, and I thought I was a great husband. I would ask Gabby repeatedly, don't we have a great marriage? And she would say yes, only because she didn't want to have a confrontation with me. Uh, I was not a great husband. Um, my goal was to not be like my dad. In the, in the marriage, and I ended up being like my dad quite a bit. And so uh, when we got an assignment to Belgium, unbeknownst to me, Gabby considered leaving me. In fact, her testimony of God saving her is pretty amazing. She was in a pickup truck with my daughter thinking about leaving, even contemplating going to Mexico where I couldn't find her. And But in that vehicle, God spoke to her and saved her and told her, you need to go be with your husband, and your daughter needs a father. So they came, but before they got there, she went to visit my mom and told on me what a terrible person I was. <laughs> so there I am in, in Belgium. I'm in Belgium all by myself in a hotel, and I get a phone call from my mom, and she says, Mark, what is going on? I'm afraid you're going to end up like your father. I'm like, that, was, that was one of those hard things to hear. And, and so I was really beginning, God was working on me, and then I ran into a guy at work who went to a Baptist church, right? I'm from the north, a lot of, not a lot of Baptists up north. In fact, we had these crazy ideas about what Baptists were, so you just, just didn't go there. And I said, I said okay, I'll go, to church. I'll go to church with you. I'll, I'll give it a try. And so I went to church, and everybody was kind of normal like y'all are. Everybody was normal. It wasn't just crazy things going on. Pastor Ray Reynolds, I mean, he's kind of my earthly spiritual father, before I left, said, I want to come and visit you at, at your home. And I said, yes, because I didn't feel like I had an option. And then he showed up, and he had a man with him who he was training in evangelism. And I had my confirmation classes, which I didn't remember much about. And I was going to answer every question 
that they had. But, you know, I was, I was the Romans 3.23 guy, just like everybody else. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and that's where I was. I was falling short of the glory of God. And they explained to me that the wages of sin is death. And I don't really remember a lot of the conversation, and I didn't make any commitments while they were there. But when they left, it is as if a lightning bolt struck me. And the scales were removed from my eyes, and I got down on my knees with my, with my wife. And I, I asked her forgiveness because God revealed to me what kind of man I was. I had not seen it. I was blind, and then I could see. He regenerated, gave me a new heart so I could see. And then uh, went to church on Sunday in Romans 10, 9, as, as Pastor Ray Reynolds spoke, does, does somebody need Christ as their Lord and Savior? And I stood up in church, and I'll never forget Gabby looking at me like, what are you doing? Because that wasn't our culture. And I walked, I walked up, and I, I did Romans 10, 9. I confessed Jesus Christ as my Lord with my mouth and believed in my heart that God raised from the dead, and I was saved. And then since then, that was when the work really began, because there was a lot of stuff that God had to deal with and is still dealing with. And one at a time, we went through Christian counseling. I got involved with immediately with discipleship, one-on-one discipleship. We had this awesome couple, the Kramers, who took us in and did couples discipleship and helped pour into us. And every discipleship group I got in, God was chipping away at this veneer. Even, you know, even when you're a new believer, you've got this baggage you've got to deal with. And by God's grace, he didn't do it all at once. It was a piece at a time. We got into couples, got together. We were doing life groups before life groups were cool in the 80s, you know, before it became a big thing. We didn't even know what we were doing, but God brought us together with other couples, and we grew. And because of my Air Force career, we went around to different churches, um, Baptist and Bible churches, and what we did was we were able to minister as our kids grew up. That's how we grew up. We ministered and taught Sunday school. We got into a youth group and taught Junior Varsity Iwana and led Junior Varsity Iwana. We went into the youth ministry and taught in youth ministry as our kids grew. And then we ended up leading the singles ministry. My daughters, people thought, don't you ever get away from your parents? And the answer was no. But that's how we did it. We, we invested. We, we knew that we were the primary disciple builders of our kids, and we wanted to be a part of their lives. So that's what God led us to do, just to be a part of their lives. Um, and, and so that, bringing us back here now to Gateway, God has given us the opportunity to plug in. You know, why am I doing this family shepherds thing? It's because I really feel like men need encouragement to be the shepherds in their homes. That is a biblical mandate. The family impacts the church and the culture, and it's really important for men to understand the role that we play in discipling our families and leading our families. And um, there's no magic here. It's just biblical. And so if, this is the plug. If, you, if Guys, if you want to come on Saturdays, we're starting at 8 o'clock so that you don't have to give up time with your family, usually done by 9.30, but I encourage you to come and do that. When I was approached about being an elder here, I've been an elder at another church for about 10 years, and um, folks who have done eldering will tell you it's, it's blessings and challenges. There's highs and lows. And so um, you got to give it a lot of thought and prayer. And when I was approached and asked, um, I had to think of 1 Timothy 
and it, where it says it's a good thing to desire being an overseer. And so I prayed to God. I said, God, if you want me to get into this process and pursue being an elder at, at Gateway, give me that desire. Because uh, I believe that to be an elder, you need to have that desire. I didn't think he was going to do that. Well, God is a pretty amazing guy. You pray for something, and if, if that's what's going to happen. And so he gave me that desire. And then I couched that under, okay, I have this desire. How does that fit into the scope of things? And uh, Matthew 22, Jesus answered the trick question they were trying to pose to him. What's the greatest commandment? And he said, love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second was like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And, you know, I love, I love Christ. And I want to follow Christ, and I want to obey Christ because of what he's done for me. And I want to love my neighbors. And, brothers and sisters, you're my neighbors here. You're, you're my church, and you are Christ's church, his body. You're precious. And so I want, to, I want to serve you. And I don't have to be an elder to do that. I know that. But if this is what God's calling is, if this is the, the gifting he's given to me, I want to do that as a part of the gifting he's brought for the edification of the body, for the building of the, up of the church. That's, that's what I want to do. So it's in your hands. Uh, I trust God to work through his congregation to affirm whether or not uh, I should be an elder. And uh, I look forward to serving either way and serving this body. Thanks. Okay, Rick, this is Rick Steen. Rick, come share your journey with us. Y'all noticed um, one thing, right? Of all three, we didn't call each other, but we all wearing vest. Um, I'm not sure what follows after this, but we all vest. So, I am the husband of Kim, uh, the love of my life, and uh, I am uh, the father of Anna, uh, Josiah, Kaylin, Megan, and Jessa. I have four daughters, so God has richly blessed me. Uh, we got in late last night. We had a Daughters do gymnastics, so it was a fun day yesterday. Uh, I am an instructor at ACSC. Uh, I also was a student uh, with Mark. I uh, got to know each other a little bit there. And then same thing, we, when we came, we were, we're from Knoxville, Tennessee. Go Vols. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Um, so um, so we, we, uh, we're, I was praying, where, where should we be, what church? And... Um, we were looking online. I had been a pastor for about 14 years, and I knew I wanted to hear expositional preaching. I needed to be fed. Our family needed to be fed. And so we, we came here after looking at the website and uh, hearing, hearing Grady and uh, just, just encouraged by the fact that there was an elder, elder-led church. So we came, and then God changed our plans, uh, decided to keep us here. And for that, uh, we're very grateful, never anticipating um, we were anticipating going back to uh, Knoxville and continuing that, that journey, but God had other plans. I'd ask if you would, for just a moment, if you would take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 2. I promise, Grady, I'm not going to preach, uh, but the other two did go past their, they went past seven minutes. I was, I was timing you guys. And these, are, these guys are older than me, but, I got, you know, but I'm, I'm taking their lead here. Um, Ephesians chapter 2, and I want to start, pick up in, in verse 3 in the middle, and it says, And we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind, but God. 
but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead and our trespasses made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. I don't know when that happened in my life. I have no idea when I was born again. Um, I grew up in a Christian home. I heard the gospel from an early age. I don't even remember when I was baptized. My parents told me I was baptized around six. I don't remember it. Um, And it's interesting as I think about that, and the question really becomes is, well, how do you know? Well, I I knew the gospel. I I knew Christ was, was my Savior. I believed that. But one of the things I think that really just kept me up constantly was the reality of death. I don't know where it came from. I remember at night, staying up at night, thinking, what is death going to be like? Um, Maybe some of you young people here, maybe you have that. You haven't told anybody. But I just want to encourage you that God was using that in my heart. What is death? What will happen after death? And so it kept, what it kept doing is it kept pushing me and pushing me more and more into Christ. Because I would go back to the Bible and I would be reminded again and again what Christ had done for me. And I would just rest in that. But I remember even in school, I, there, was a, there was a young man, uh, I think it was second, second grade, I think it was. And uh, he had cancer in our school and he ended up dying. And this was a time about, I don't know if Ryan White was one of the first ones who died of AIDS in Indiana, we were, my dad was uh, at uh, station there. I grew up a military brat. And I just remember his death. And then actually later on in college, I, I, they, they passed away after college, but I have two good close friends who, were, who died, one from cancer and one in a tragic car accident. And God continually kept that before me, a reminder again and again, death, death is coming for all of us. Behold, the judge is standing at the door, right, James? It is appointed man wants to die and then the judgment. And again and again, as I thought through that, I, I, it pushed me into Christ. And then my, the influence of my, my parents, as they, my mom was constantly reminding me how sinful I was. Um, and I was. And this flow of up and down and questioning my faith and then God encouraging me and going to Christian camp as a teen. And I grew up kind of in, a, in the fundamental circles and it was a constant hellfire and brimstone, which for me was good because it was a reminder, hey, you need Christ. You need Christ. And so that's how God shaped me. And then when I finally got to school, I had no, no intention of going into ministry. I wanted to, uh, to be a pilot I'm colorblind, so God closed that door. And then I thought about law school, and then for my attorney friends in here, God saved me from that. Um, he rescued me. Uh, I have an uncle who's an attorney, but I thought, man, what do I want to do? And I remember during my junior year of college, I was teaching a Bible study in, in, uh, in our church, our local church. And um, God just began to really work on me. And I was driving home one night, and I remember as clear as could be, I was thinking, what do I want to do with my life? I really want to serve God. How am I going to do that? And so God really impressed upon me. And I go, I'm going to go to seminary. I, I think this is what, this is my junior year of college. And, and I had a roommate and we started talking. And, and through all of that process, long story, we ended up together. We went out to the Shepherds Conference. And this was the year that MacArthur Study Bible came out. And we were there for that. And we get to hear these great speakers like Adrian Rogers, Tony Evans, right? 
Um, and I started listening to these individuals, and, and then but I hear, what I wanted to hear, who I wanted to hear was John MacArthur. Because I had been listening to his sermons, and they were stirring my heart because the word of God, it was just feeding me and feeding me. And I thought to myself, I'm going to go into ministry. What, what do I want? I want to be able to expound the word and know the word like that. And so went to seminary. I'm a little slow. It took me five years. God brought uh, my wife back into my life. At the time, we had, uh, we had dated and broke up in college. And seven years later, she came back into my life and uh, um, has been just an incredible encouragement to me. And uh, been a journey. And uh, a bivocational pastor for 14 years came here. And then Grady and I were having conversations because I love talking theology. He says, I can't help but talk theology. I can't help but talking about God's word. And he mentioned, he goes, hey, would you be interested? I'm going to nominate you. And I started praying because, as Mark was saying, to be an elder is a huge responsibility. It's a great joy. It really is. And I'll tell you, one of the things that God used in my life in terms of sanctifying me was my week in and week out of preaching. I was in the word every week, and God would say, see this? This is not you. And God was using the word again and again to sanctify me and grow me and, and, and make me into his image. So I'm, I'm grateful for what God did. And then coming here, I'm grateful for the opportunity because I love the church. I believe that the local body is the place where God sanctifies and grows us, keeps us accountable, and calls us to. Uh, I, I hope and pray that um, if, if in your vote that uh, I will serve you. I just want to serve you. Mark mentioned that the passage um, from 1 Timothy, if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, that he desires a noble task. And I was listening, by the way, coming back yesterday from the beach, John MacArthur's text on that. He preached it. And I was listening to it, and he talks about this idea of it's not just ambition for the sake of ambition. This idea is because you're compelled. You're compelled. You're compelled because this is what God has done in your life. So whether you have the office or not, you will do the work of ministry because that's what God has so impressed on you. So whether it's form or the formality of it and an official position or not, God has still called me to disciple my family, to, to share the gospel with others, to, to teach a Bible study. We do that on Thursday night. We'd love to have you going through Matthew. But that's what God has compelled me to. And so to have the opportunity would be a huge blessing. So I love each one of you. Thank you so much for how you've invested in my life. Speaking of the Gillises, they're memory. I remember Audrey, first one. She just came up that Sunday. We're so happy to have you. And so, and then one after another, just people just introduced. So thank you for the love of this body. It's been a huge blessing to our family. Uh, thanks, Rick. Seth, come on up. So Seth is not wearing the vest today, so he's going to break the trend. And from the guy who avoided law school, here's the one who went to law school. So <laughs> let me say this, for, for the next two, for Seth and William, these guys are guys who are currently serving as elders, but in active humility this year have resubmitted themselves to the process. And you have been around, you're familiar with that, but I want you to get to hear from Seth. Yeah, the Lord did not give me as much grace as Rick since I did have to go through law school. But my name is Seth Rodebeck. I've been at Gateway since 2008, married to Megan Rodebeck. Um, we've also been married since 2008. So for our entire married lives, this has been our, our church home. And we've been 
um, incredibly blessed by the ministry of this church and by the relationships of, uh, with people here and by being poured into and discipled by very godly men and women. And that's been an, a very important part of our story. But So I, I uh, grew up in the church as well, um, came to faith in Christ at six years old, was baptized at that point. And uh, like many people who grew up in the church, definitely believed, definitely embraced that. But there was a, a very immature faith, right? And so had to grow in that. And, and over the years, um, kind of played with that as I grew up and everything. And, and as I got ready to go to college, I um, felt very clearly the Lord put a path before me. Um, I'm the youngest of three boys. Uh, my three older brothers are, I uh, love them dearly, but they're not followers of Christ. They were all going down to Ohio State, and I knew I could have gone down there and lived with them and been with them and gone that path and probably continued on in that very immature faith. But I felt the Lord give me a very clear direction to go to a different school. Um, I went down to Lee University in Cleveland, Tennessee, and um, it wasn't so much the school itself. It was that the Lord was, was calling me to something. He was calling me out of that, that way of life I had been in, and he was calling me to something new, to truly put my, my whole heart, my whole faith in him. And it was at that point that I really submitted to the Lord and began to grow in my faith. Now, don't talk to anybody I knew from college because they'll tell you I, I also was pretty immature in my faith then. But it was a growing process that started happening. Um, went to law school where Megan and I met and got married there. Came down here to Montgomery, um, and, and we just began to be discipled by godly men and women pouring into us. And that's really how we began to grow in our faith. Um, through that time, there's been suffering, there's been trials, as so many of us have, have had. And, and the thing that kept us was those relationships um, with Christ primarily, but by people pointing us to him over and over, pointing us back to the word, and just having the, the steel, the strength, the resolve that comes from being someone who's rooted in the word of God. There's just no other, no other way through those times than to cling to him in that. And so that's been something that, that as we've grown in our faith, it's been a wonderful thing that we've seen. And that's really my heart for why I want to continue to be an elder. I've been an elder now for eight years at Gateway and why I want to continue to serve y'all in that capacity to encourage you in that. And one of the things in my life that I desire, I've been studying, um, it's a little bit, Megan and I, we lead the college ministry here at Gateway. We have for the past five years or so. Love spending time with the college students and encouraging them to, to Christ, walking them through the word, doing all of that, answering their questions. Because I think what happens when you're someone that goes through trials, that goes through suffering, that goes through all those types of things, inevitably, there are doubts that come up in your mind. Inevitably, there's questions that come up. Well, is God really good? Is he really who he says he is in this word? And that's something we've worked very hard in our college group that they know you can ask us anything, right? Bring your questions. Don't, don't, don't sit there and act like everything's fine. Don't sit there and act like everything's okay because the reality is in life, things aren't okay sometimes, right? And the reality is in life, we need a place that we can ask those questions, that we can bring those things to the Lord, that we can have godly men and women walk alongside us when we do struggle and we do have those questions. So that's, that's an atmosphere and a culture and a climate we've tried to create in our college ministry. We've led that. And, and what I desire in this and in, in through that and ministry and life and my marriage and all of that and what I desire for all of you is that we would be people, Colossians uh, 3.16 says that let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's my desire. That's my desire for myself. It's my desire for you. And I believe Paul defines that in Colossians 1 
verses 10 through 12. He says, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. And he gives three things. He says, first, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Second, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. And three, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And that's what I want for us, Gateway. That's what I want us to be, a people where the word of Christ is richly dwelling in us. And that we would be a people that are rooted and grounded in the word of God. That we would be a people that know the love of Christ for us. And from that place of being loved children saved by the grace of God, that we would then live that faith out in our homes, in our marriages, for you as parents, in our workplaces, in our ministry, that that's what would be happening in each one of our lives and that we as a church would truly do that. And then this is one thing I've been praying for Gateway uh, since I became an elder and and that I will continue to pray for Gateway. It comes from uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verses, um, we'll start in verse 16. It says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's my desire for us, church. That's what, I will, that's what I will continue to labor to do to encourage you to Christ, to encourage you to be people rooted and grounded and built up in the word of Christ, to pray that the spirit of God would fill you and would strengthen your inner man and strengthen your inner being, that you would be overwhelmed by the love and the grace and the mercy of Christ, and that from that place, you would live a life glorifying to Christ, walking in a manner worthy to him, pleasing him. And so I encourage you guys to to continue to do that with one another. Continue to do that in your small groups, in your Sunday school classes. Join with us in that. Megan and I, we also lead a a ministry called Hopes that we've called it Helping Our Public Education System, where we go to Capitol Heights Middle School. Uh, We share the gospel there with students. We love the teachers and administrators. And we're just trying to to figure out more and more ways to, to get the gospel into our community and into our city. And that's something we want to encourage y'all to do as well. So that's my heart for y'all, Gateway. And uh, just thank you very much for your consideration. Thanks, Seth. William, come on down. This is William Fox. William is also currently serving as one of our elders. And like Seth, is resubmitting himself to the process. And once you get to hear his journey as well. don't think that these are intended to be campaign speeches <clears throat> since you can elect all six so but uh, one of the things that stood out to me when we have been in between pastors a couple times over the life of the church the elders have stepped in and taught and it's been very encouraging to me personally when that's happened to see and hear the hearts of the the people who were serving in that role um, previously so hopefully that thing that uh, Grady mentioned about this being an encouragement to you, hopefully that will be, it, that, will be that for you, to hear the hearts of, of the folks that are considering these roles that you, that you are making a decision about. So I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about me, I'll tell you a little bit about my spiritual journey, and then in terms of service as, as elder, um, 
The, um, I am a teacher uh, at Troy University in, in Troy on the main campus, and I, I teach in the marketing department. I've been there 11 years, 12 years, so I've been down there. I've been teaching since 1994 uh, in different places. Um, and so I, uh, my beloved Janie is back here under the wreath back there. And um, I was going to say beloved wife, but that would suggest there may be other wife. So I will clarify that with my beloved, my beloved Janie. And um, I have two daughters back there, the two youngest children, Rachel and uh, Ellie that are here in, in, in the church. And then I have two older uh, sons that are both married and one lives in Mobile uh, with his wife of previous Gillis. See, the Gillises are very hospitable. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and uh, one, that is, one that is married to Sarah uh, and they, uh, Taylor, they live in France with our two grandchildren. They do not come over every Thursday. Um, but when we see them, we do see them every once in a while, so we enjoy that. Um, I've been in, uh, we, my family's been in Montgomery for about 17 years. We've been in this church uh, the majority of that, of that time as well. And so, uh, in terms of spiritual journey, in terms of overview, I want to do sort of where I was, where I am, where it started, and, and sort of since then, and sort of realizations and some pivotal times. Um, in, in big picture, I, I was a wretch, okay? That's, I was a wretch, with capital W on that. I didn't appreciate that. I think uh, my life verse is the verse that Rick mentioned, but God, out of Ephesians. And uh, God, God took me from that, and he changed me into a beloved child of his. So I, I've changed kingdoms, I've changed families, and I've changed, and it is all due to him. Now, uh, if I were to say, when did that happen, which uh, I, I was involved in a backyard Bible club, and so I prayed to receive Christ every Wednesday for three or four years <laughs> as a part of that, and hopefully that's encouraging to you who work with youth uh, that, that things may happen that you never hear about, but, but um, I remember... Uh, I, I, they took those children away when you raised your hands, and I don't think they got cookies. And so I was not, I didn't know what they were doing, but I don't know, I wasn't going with them. But um, I, that was where God worked in me. Even though I grew up in church, probably anger and grudges better spoke of who I was and, and the life that, that I had and my, my heart attitude. And I remember at some point after mid-teens, I was in a service, and the pastor said, think of people that you're angry with or have grudge against, and whereas just a, a short time prior, just a few years prior, I could have probably made a list, and, and all of a sudden that list, I mean, I could remember those names, but all the, the anger and grudge and bitterness that I had toward those folks was gone, and I, I think of that as God working in, in spite of me without me asking him to do that. He just worked in, in my life to remove that. And I think those, that, that heart attitude is incompatible with his spirit. And that's where I knew that sort of God had worked in me. Uh, in terms of where I went from there, it, probably the spiritual journey, that's where I sort of recognized there was a spiritual journey. And I was involved in some different ministries in college, um, Navigators, uh, Campus Crusade, and uh, uh, some pivotal events there going overseas and showing the Jesus film and really seeing God work 
there and more so in me. And as a consequence of that and as a danger for any of you who are considering missions, uh, a mission trip, I spent seven years overseas in Thailand and China as a consequence of that and saw God really work in, in me. My family and I uh, were there to do that. And God really worked in me, through me, changed me in, in a lot of different ways uh, and matured me. And uh, there's still a lot to go, but he, 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 he really started me on a journey where I understood him better and I was seeing him change and work in and through me in my life. Uh, that's, uh, I've been since, you know, we've been back many years now, but uh, in the United States, and, and I've seen him continue that uh, job of changing me to be more like his son, which is the goal that he has for all of us, uh, to be more like, uh, to more, be more like Jesus in our, in our lives, in our heart attitudes, in our speech, that we reflect him in the different places that we go and, and, our, and our, the way we live. And so... And when I look at the role of an elder, the role of an elder is to uh, step into, uh, you know, they talk about teaching and praying, but I think the teaching and the praying is to encourage uh, us and the, ourselves and the people that are part of the church body of which we are a member in their walk with God, in their relationship with him, and for them to be changing and become more like Jesus individually themselves. And that'll be represented as they live out their lives in their families, as they live out their lives in their workplace and their neighborhoods and in the church where they serve as well. So that's what I see as the role. I did not, uh, I, I've been uh, in life groups and Sunday school classes and, and served in those ways. And so I'll serve in whatever capacity that it's, is desired uh, and helpful. I did not nominate me and I will not vote for me. <laughs> that's not to say that, that, that this church is very dear to me. And I've Again, I've been here for many years, and, and this church, not the church building, this church body of people is dear to me, and so I'm happy to serve in what way that uh, you would think would be best, and I will continue to serve whether I voted or not, but, but uh, that's, that's sort of how I'm approaching this. It's a very hands-off kind of thing. If this is where God wants me to serve, I'm happy to do so. So, thank you. Thanks, William. One final testimony. This is our video testimony from Jeff Moody, who regrets he can't be here today, but I want you to hear his story on the screen.
stop by and do your ballot here in the office during this upcoming week. Got two challenge questions for you this morning before we close this on today. Number one, have you experienced God's grace? You've heard these brothers all tell it, and it's all so different. That's something that so blessed me hearing the ordination councils, hearing a little bit fuller versions than even you were able to get this morning, and how God's grace worked in each one of their lives. How about for you? What's your experience of God's grace? And if you know God's grace, if God is changing you, I hope you've been encouraged by hearing of it this morning from them. And there's people that God has sovereignly put in your life this week, this Christmas season, who need to hear your story because they need to hear of him. And so I hope you'll be proactive and looking for ways this week to share your journey of God's grace with those around us. I want to pray for us, and then we're going to sing our closing song this morning. And Father God, we are so thankful for your grace. We talk about it a lot. We sing about it. We study about it. And yet, Lord, I pray we never lose our wonder of it. 
That is an incredible thought that we've been hearing this morning, how you take wretched sinners like each one of us, and God, you turn our hearts to you, how you've opened our eyes to see you for who you are, how you've brought conviction of our sin and how you've changed our affections. I pray we would never, Lord, lose the wonder of that. God, we thank you for these six brothers who've shared their stories this morning. God, we thank you for them and just what you've done in their lives and the way that you've been working through them to encourage and already minister to people here. We pray that your will will be done this next Sunday in our elder elections. Lord, I pray for each one of us. Lord, if there's anyone here today or watching online who does not yet know you, I pray that something that was shared today would prick their, con- their conscience. And Lord, that the Holy Spirit would use that to show them their need to cry out to you and be transformed just like these brothers have been. But Lord, as well, we know that there will be people in our path this week who do not know you. And you put us here to be salt and light. And I pray that this week you would give us much grace upon grace to see people the way you see people and to speak of you, Lord, wherever we go. And we'll give you the praise for what you're going to do. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we sing our closing song? I once was lost in darkest night, yet thought I knew the way, the sin that promised joy and life had led me to.
testimonies this morning, God, just what you've done in these men's lives, God, how you've saved them, God, and just their vision in this position of elder, Lord, should they be voted in, God, how they would love to serve the church, God. God, we sing in that last verse, God, that our lives be yours, God. our boast is in you and you alone, God. It is you through your Holy Spirit, God, that shows us where we are wrong, God, shows us where we are failed, Lord, and leads us to repentance, God. Leads us to ask for forgiveness, God, in the areas where we fail, God, and teaches us to walk more in your ways, God, and to look more and more like you. So, Father, as we get ready to go this week, God, I pray that you would just, uh, as we think about these men, Lord, that we have already nominated, God, and as we look to vote in next week, God, may we look at our own selves, God. May we look at our own selves and look back at our story, God, of how you saved us, God. If we are in you, God, and you have saved us, God, we can look back at, at our story, God us new, God, and how we can serve the church, even as just members, God, not as elders, but just members, God, and give us wisdom and how to vote, Lord, for these men to lead your church, God, that is ultimately your church, Father, and your will will be done, God. We praise you, God. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You guys are dismissed.